What's the vision for your mental health? What's the vision for your physical health? What's the vision for your finances? What's the vision for your relationships? But you have to be honest with yourself. And it's okay. But don't just stay being not okay. It's not okay when you're not feeling okay to just stay in it. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, where you'll learn how to get your mind right so that your body will follow. I'm Trudy Stone, certified culinary nutritionist, TV guest expert, and author. After self-hacking my mind and body to lose 30 pounds, I now help busy, overwhelmed women use stress as their superpower so that they can rise above it and become more calm, resilient, and physically fit. Each week, not only will you learn nutrition and stress management habits, you'll also learn about the power of food to enhance your mental and physical well-being and how to overcome your battles with living a healthier lifestyle. The secret to eating healthier, improving your mood, and increasing your energy are not only about what you put in your stomach, it's also about what's going on in your brain. So congratulations on showing up. I promise to support you on your health journey with every single episode. Let's begin. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. This is culinary nutritionist Trudy Stone, and I am so grateful that you tuned in today. So at the time of this recording, it is Mental Health Awareness Month. So I thought I would invite one of the most empowering mental health advocates that I know to the podcast to talk about what we can do to enhance and fortify our mental health. So Nicole Waldron has an incredible story and journey to share. And in today's episode, we're going to be focusing on the often overlooked topic of mental health for caregivers. Now, even if you're not a caregiver, within our stories, there is the mental health care that we all need. And storytelling, which my husband, Danny Stone, talks about quite a bit, storytelling really is a fundamental part of being human. Um, It's a fundamental part of navigating mental health so that we can all release the stigma. Stories really do help us to build connection and also allow others the opportunity to heal when we can find a little bit of ourselves in somebody else's story. So throughout this discussion, we're going to be exploring how to overcome adversity and practical strategies and insights to help you prioritize your mental health so that you can manage stress and prevent burnout. So let me tell you about today's very special guest. You guys are about to be blown away. So Nicole Waldron is a mental fitness coach and the voice of victory. You'll see exactly what I mean during the interview. She's also a professional event specialist, transformational speaker, thought leader, community advocate, author, voice animator, and podcaster. And occasionally she does have some time where she eats. (laughs) So the (laughs) multifaceted Nicole Waldron works tirelessly for the advancement, progress, and prosperity of her community including social advocacy with a focus on affordable housing and mental health. So important. Nicole is also the host of the Victory Speaks podcast, providing listeners with the tools to be mentally fit and curate a victory mindset. She also hosts the Victory Speaks online show, where inspired conversations are curated with individuals who inspire us to live a victorious lifestyle. Nicole was named one of the 100 Black Accomplished Canadian Women, highlighted as one of 150 women in Canada by How She Hustles Her Story in Black Series, and was named as one of the Outstanding Black Women in Canada by Shifter Magazine. As a mental health advocate, Nicole sits on the board of the Cooperators Group. I believe she is the first Black woman to do so. The Ontario Caregivers Association, um, the Cooperative Housing Federation of Canada, and many, many others. If I continue to read Nicole's bio, we would be here for at least another hour. (laughs) She is also the recipient of many awards, including but not limited to the 2020 Brian Birch Community Service Award from the Cooperative Housing Federation of Toronto, the Outstanding Community Service Award from Dance Carib, and the Social Housing Service Corporation Kathleen Blinkhorn Award for Excellence in Volunteerism. Welcome to the Mind Your Body show, Nicole. How are you? I'm good, but I'm a little exhausted after you. (laughs) (laughs) I am too. I need a drink. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I need to cut that down some more. (laughs) Nicole, that was the cut down version. Okay. I was looking at this and I was like, man, I'm like, she is so accomplished. Like, and whenever I read people's bios, like their bios are just so rich with so much amazing detail and accomplishments. And I always have a hard time editing it down because I never want to water down what anybody does because everybody has worked very hard for their accomplishments and I never want to water it down. But there was just so many things in here that I thought was really important for people to understand because you really are making history. 
Oh, thank you so much, Trudy. Just like you, because you are, you know, you're my like Shiro that I've been admiring for a long time. So I am just like stoked by what you do. So yeah. Thank you. No. You know, you have the admirers who you don't always see in your DMs, but we're watching. We're watching Aww. and listening and we're learning. Thank you, Nicole. But this is not about me. This is all about you, girl. <laughs> There's no you without me. It's Ubuntu. You know, we yes. are. Yes. yes. I like that. I like that. So, Nicole, I know I read that very lengthy bio, um, but if this is someone's first introduction to you, can you just give us a little bit of a background in your own words about, you know, who you serve and what it is that you do? Well, who I serve and what it is that I do. I serve my community. I, and that and what I do is based around that. It is important for me when I say Ubuntu, I am because we are, that is community. You know, growing up in Trinidad, growing up in community, uh, you learn that and, you know, you have family and, you know, you can, if the neighbor's child is doing something, you know, or if you're doing something and the neighbor sees you, you're corrected. So you, I grew up in that setting. So that has transcended into my life and growing up with family that are activists and in community that has influenced everything that I do from, from young, including my mom, because she's always helping somebody. Yes. You know, I think that that foundation and those roots are so important because they really do leave breadcrumbs as to like where our journey can go, how our journey can really unfold. And just listening to you here, you know, hearing you say that, you know, I never thought I would be a nutritionist. But when I grew up, like my mom and my aunts, they were really big in the power of like herbal medicine for healing, mm -hmm. turning to foods for healing. And I never really thought that I would come full circle and end up doing that in my own career. So it's really interesting how, you know, our past really does leave those breadcrumbs. It does. It, and it really influences who we are. When I, when I look at my, my aunt, people say to me, Nick, why aren't you in politics? I'm like, no, but my, my mom's oldest sister, she's uh, number nine out of 14 was one of the first female ministers in, in Trinidad. And so that politics was always in my family, my grandfather. And then this advocacy piece. And I say, you know what, there's a difference between being an advocate outside of politics and in politics, because outside of politics, you, you have, a, for me, I believe you have a little more breath. Yeah. So I, I rather do it on the outside because I don't, I don't need, I can't do this whole campaign and going on the trail. I can't do that. Yeah. A lot of heat. <laughs> I admire everyone who goes for it. It's a, it's a big job. Oh, definitely. So Nicole, you're a very empowering mental health advocate in the community, and you're also a caregiver. So can you please share like your experience and your journey as a caregiver? So it's, it's interesting. Um, here's the funny story, because you talked about going 360. Last week, I was at a Black mental health conference held here by CAFCAN, and I had a full 360 moment. I just totally bawled my eyes out. Because I realized in 1988, I came up here to be a child psychologist. But I didn't understand, even though I was working, that, you know, there were things like OSAP and stuff. And I was I'm very, I was even shyer than I am now. And so that introvert, and I was like, oh, how do I get this? I thought I had to work, 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 work. Didn't know about things like OSAP. Nobody was telling me. And even if you don't know what to ask for, you don't know what to ask for. So I say it, I, I pause right now to say, if you know of a young person who may be looking to further their education, don't assume they know about OSAP and ways of getting there, even if the person is mature, especially immigrants. And so in so that had to go on pause because I just didn't know. When I went on to live life doing my event planning, left corporate Canada. And then in 20, at the end of 2015, my son had a bike accident. And that bike accident led him into um experiencing psychosis. And so for the last eight years, been on that journey. Um, dealing with uh, different hospitalizations and um, and his and his condition, and in that, for me, I recognized as I was learning along the journey and as I was navigating a very difficult system, I recognized I'm not the only person. Mm -hmm. And having that advocacy role in in housing for the last 28 years, I recognized okay, I had to do something. I had to also bring a voice and see where I can make an impact. And once one of the social workers at CAMH said to me, oh, there's a family advisory uh, council at CAMH here. Maybe you should be a part of it and bring your voice to it. Because I was asking a lot of questions, but I was also suggesting stuff. And so that started that journey into the advocacy piece. And so since then, 
I've I've now sat, I think I said on several um, organizations, uh, family advisory councils, or some call it committees, uh, to bring the voice to one of the caregivers, two of the black caregivers, because as caregivers, we already sit in silos. And when you're black, it's even different. And on top of that, when we look at caregivers in Ontario, for instance, without the mental health uh, pocket, there are 4.1 million caregivers in Ontario that we have documented by the Ontario Caregivers Organization has done a survey. And the at least half of them or more talk about their mental stress. And so it is, it is, it is such a mental health crisis for caregivers across the board that people are not really understanding the nuances and the uniqueness and the things that caregivers are going through, no matter what illness their loved one is experiencing. And this is something that we really need to address because if we don't, it's going to just, I don't, I don't even, when I think about it, it just makes me cringe when I think about what caregivers are going through overall. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's it. You know, those are some really startling statistics that you just shared. Um, so like knowing that, Nicole, what type of support do you feel that caregivers need? And like, what do you feel in your opinion that they're lacking from the community? Oh, so much. And I think, you know, one of the reasons I'm glad I'm speaking with you because nutrition is big. When you are taking care of someone, you're not taking care of yourself for the most part. And we need ideas on how we can take care of ourselves easier, especially when it comes to food. So, you know, like, you know, the, the nice smoothies or quick meals or having someone bring you meals, depending on what part of a caregiving role you're playing or the age, because there are a lot of young caregivers as well. And people don't know that. And sometimes they don't come forward because they're afraid they may be taken away from their loved ones. And then you have the seniors. So it's a plethora of caregivers. And so I would say nutrition is number one. Showing up for individuals that you know are caregivers, giving them healthy meals. Um, don't assume because they have family that they're there for them because sometimes their family might be going through the same crisis or they don't have the capacity or the knowledge. Let's not assume everybody knows how to cook. Right. Let's, what, what is easy for you? Like I saw you, okay, listen, I saw you put together that salmon, some, some, I was like, what did she just do there with the smoked salmon and the salad and it looks and the color and it's like, okay, now Trudy, like <laughs> I will tell you one of the places that stress showed up in my life was cooking. I love to cook, but when the stress hit of caregiving, I literally forgot how to cook. Mm-hmm. I was burning water because oh, I would forget it on the stove. And oh. then I would like, what do I do with this again? You know, you have a meal in your head. So that's a big part of it for us. And then, we you know, just somebody to take you for a walk or send you an encouraging text, but do a random act of kindness for a caregiver. And um, sitting on the board of the Ontario Caregivers Organization has been really phenomenal because we have the most amazing executive director who is a caregiver herself. So she gets it. And they've started this random act of kindness, this kindness journey, encouraging people to be kind to caregivers. So I encourage anyone, look in your back door, look in your family, look around you. Who's a caregiver? What could they possibly need? Maybe an accompaniment to the hospital, not because they can drive means they should be driving Mm. because they're tired, sleep deprived. You know, can I, depending on what it is, can I come sit with you or can I, can I give you a break? I don't even want me to think of newborn babies, right? Yeah. Forget that that person, it's a mom, but that mom is caring for a family. Right. New moms need it because we're realizing that, you know, postpartum depression is huge mm-hmm. and we're not talking about it the way that we really should be talking about it. And then in a, in the black community, it's, it's like something you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be okay because this is what the village did, but we don't live in the village anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't have the, the, the aunties on the grandmas, depending on that could come in and swoon in around you and say, okay, I'm going to take a turn. So we need to be mindful that people are living in so much isolation, even though they may have neighbors or they may have friends or family. Family may be very far away right now. We live in a very different world than 10, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Nicole, there's just so much to unpack there, but you're right. Like nutrition, it plays such a huge role and Oh man. Like, it's number one. You you would never be out of a job, Trudy. I'll tell you. If it's so simple, what's so simple for you, Trudy, is not simple for me. 
And then I will tell you in the mental health world, they don't talk to uh, people in crisis about their mental health. Mm -hmm. They give you medication. They don't tell you what vitamins to take. They don't tell you what meals you should be taking. They don't tell you about when I started to hear about magnesium is good for you was way down in the journey. You know, nobody's telling you about the B12 or B12 complex. Nobody's telling you these things and you don't have the capacity to find it the same way that they can put the information about medication in your hand sometimes, or say, go to the the same way they need to be giving us information about nutrition. Here's Mm -hmm. some healthy snacks. And remember, there's a financial impact that is happening depending on the caregiver's journey, because your finances tend to be impacted. What do we do? Well, what's easiest? Carbs, bread, potatoes, pasta. Right, right. And then what happens? Inflammation sets in and we're in pain. And then we're tired and we don't know why we're tired and we have no energy. Yes, Nicole, like everything, like all of the above, you know, and there's certain nutrients that also get depleted in your body during high times of stress. Like B vitamins is definitely one of them. They are so crucial for mental health. And you're right. Like when you're caregiving, you're not necessarily thinking about yourself. You're thinking about your loved one. You're thinking about taking care of your loved one and doing everything that you can to make their lives easier, to make them feel more comfortable, to make them feel loved, to give them everything that they need. You're not thinking about what it is that you need. You're probably running out to McDonald's and you're just getting a Big Mac and you're getting fries or, you know, you're, you're running out to this place and you're, you're eating all these foods that are causing inflammation in the body when, you know, inflammation and depression is so strongly linked. Right. So there are like foods that are affordable. There are foods that you can make that are are really quick and easy. And, you know, speaking from my personal experience, I've shared this here on the podcast before. And I think, Nicole, you know about this as well, that I had a miscarriage. And after my miscarriage, I started eating like a lot of junk food. Mm -hmm. Right. I've had an A&W across the street. I was eating burgers and onion rings and like, you know, eating all the bad things. And I thought that, you know, okay, I've been through this traumatic experience. I deserve to eat A&W rings. I earned it. But I didn't really realize that those foods were actually making me feel worse. And it was only when I was like, okay, Trudy, like you're a nutritionist, like you teach people how to eat healthy. Can you not help yourself? Can you not get it? What can you do in the kitchen? And this is why it always comes down to empowering questions. It's like when people tell me they don't have time to eat healthy, I'm like, okay, what can you do with the time that you have? So even when I'm busy, like I've learned meals that I can make really, really quickly and really easily. Like if I'm going to make something with vegetables, I'll chop up a whole bunch of different vegetables and then I'll use it in different ways, right? I'll use it in a black bean burrito. I might make a quesadilla with the veggies. I might put the chicken with the veggies. Again, just like what's one thing I can do where I can have like multiple different meals, right? But we need a whole video on that. We need a video. Yes, I do. Caregivers right there, Trudy. Like you just said, and I'm like, what? Oh, yes. That's what I do. Normally, I think I would think of... But if, could you imagine if you did a video and said, okay, caregivers, here's what you do. You get some, you know, sweet peppers or whatever, the green ones or red ones. We know red ones, dark colors can do such and certain things to you. So, you know, figure those things out. And just one day, or ask a friend, can you chop this up for me? Yes. And get the, you know, if you don't have time to season the chicken, okay, if you can go to Costco, go to one of those places where you can get the shredded chicken and, and you can cut it up. Imagine if you sat there and you told us what to do. It all of a sudden becomes a bing, bing moment. Because you said quesadillas. You you just named off three meals. Yeah. A caregiver is not thinking of naturally because they're just not there. Unless this has been their way of cooking, it's just automatic for them. Right. You just were so creative right there. And one thing you said that I never thought of this before, Trudy. I realized with the junk food thing, junk food is soft to eat. I don't know if this ever occurred to you. When you have to when you have to chew lettuce, it's like you're chewing, chewing, chewing. <laughs> when you go for a French fry, it's so quick and easy to eat. And I almost think like like things like ice cream and things that are soft and quick, like you know, you go for those chips. It takes no effort. It it's almost like we need effortless food mm-hmm. to, to to to. I don't have to think too much. I don't have to chew too much. So what could we? You know, what is it? A mango? It's a peach. What could we cut up? How could we preserve it? All those little things so that it doesn't go bad. A banana was always easy for me to go to. I would go and get a banana. It required no chewing, no thinking, no preparation. (laughs) Go. And I would have that for the day. You know? So, and that's why I think smoothies are good. And I think those smoothie recipes would be really helpful. Um, And not always the ones that are, I think different types of smoothies, because everybody has different taste buds, but different types of smoothies would really be good. 
and the reminders too, to like, I, I literally, Trudy, my phone is my friend. I put all the alarms, drink water, go for a walk. Girl, you and me both. Danny's always laughing at me about that because I put everything in the calendar and things are even color coded in the calendar. So different, yes. mean different things. So whenever Danny's like, okay, we're going to do something. I'm like, okay, I'm going to send you an invite. And he always laughs at me, but that's what keeps keeps you on track, right? Like people look at my calendar, like, oh my God, your calendar is filled with so many things. But I see it as the opposite way. Like if I'm prioritizing things in my life by putting in my calendar, I feel like it frees up my mind. So I don't have to think about, oh, I got to remember to do that. The calendar is just going to remind me. Right. And that's the, you know, in in the victory, in the victory um, mindset, the O is order. It's also ovation. So when you put order and things start flowing, you can give yourself the ovation along the way. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I have to go back to the soft foods thing because I never thought about the soft I thought about it until just now because I realized you were calling it I'm like, that's soft. That's easy to eat. I can throw a burger in my mouth. I can eat some fries or oh, onion rings. That's easy. All those easy foods. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Candy, candy is easy. Yeah, licorice. Oh, don't get me started on the licorice. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That's why I never have it in the house because there was a couple of times I bought it last year. And then Danny and I were just kind of going through the cycle of just eating this licorice. And I was like, no, no more. The licorice is not coming in the house. It's just so addictive. It's a whole different podcast episode. (laughs) I I literally just found a, a, um, because we're not doing advertisements yet. I found a bag of cashews. I'm leaning over at Costco the other day. And it was like the cooking, I thought it was just regular cashews, but I said it was, it was softer to chew. And this has become my snack food. And so now like when I feel a little tinge, I was like, oh, this is no trouble. I just pick up a bunch and I just, I know I'm good. Yeah. And I put something good in my body. So nuts are really good. And I recognize, and I remember, I used to love nutrition going to school. Nuts, I remember, always, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a food that is fulling. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, okay, right. I've taken over the, I've, I've gone all over the world. <laughs> no, this is great. I, you know, I love talking about nutrition. Come on. <laughs> so let's talk about the stigma associated with mental illness, because for generations, there has been the stigma associated with mental illness. And it's been so ingrained in our communities, specifically the black community. And a lot of people don't even realize it because it's just one of those things like when it's just there, it's almost like white noise in the background. Right. And this is part of why the mental health crisis has been growing for decades. So, you know, what are some of the the challenges that caregivers face, especially as it relates to dealing with that stigma of mental health? You know, the stigma of mental health, it it's really bad and it's unfortunate. So I put it like this. If we remember that, you know, we take care of our bodies above above our neck is our head. Mm-hmm. And inside our head is our brain and the brain controls everything that's happening. It's that, it's that, uh, engine and our mind is our brain and our brain is our mind. And if we remember that the two are connected, we start to recognize that when we start developing, being unwell with our mental health, mental health, physical health, but if we're getting depressed, sadness, feeling addictive, whatever it is, it's starting here. And so when we start to figure out, oh, this is my brain that's not doing well. My brain's on fire. My brain's having a hard time. What is it? What chemical is is off balance? Is it like a serotonin thing? You know, the happy, you know, we start thinking, we, we throw all these words, serotonin, dopamine, you know, endorphins, all those things. But when we start to learn what they do, and when you say go for a walk, the reason why going for a walk makes a difference. One of the greatest people that I, I would encourage people to listen to is Dr. Chrissy Doyle Thomas. She's an she's a neurologist and she's been, you know, dealing with mental health and wellness. And Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and they really can teach you just very simply how your brain and your mind works. And understanding those things, why laughter is good, why having a good cry is good. Because when we understand the things about our brain and how stress affects our brain how bad nutrition affects our brain, how trauma affects our brain. Because in essence, it starts, it affects the emotion, which is the mind. And so throughout, especially when we look as, as caregivers now, back in the day, no matter what race you were, it was the loony bin, right? You're mad, you're loony, you're crazy. We use words like that. And we had individuals who didn't understand it, chose not to deal with it. 
and they use very stigmatic words and stigmatic behaviors. And it's the only illness that people penalize. Mm. And it's punitive. And so when you recognize that you're penalizing someone for something they have no control over, I get the motivational pieces. I get the inspirational pieces. There's a reason. However, it's doing something. It's switching something on and off in your brain. And so the more we start to understand that, yes, if you have a positive thoughts continuously over 21 days, over 60 days, over 90 days, it changes. But sometimes it's more than that. And we got to recognize that sometimes it may just take some in my mindset stuff, but sometimes it's going to take medication because we're dealing with something. Mental illness can be from depression, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia. You know, we forget alcoholism. We forget uh um, and alcohol, it's an addiction. Mm-hmm. People don't see people who are smoking as having a mental illness. Guess what? To me, I look at it because it's an addiction. When you're smoking, aren't you addicted to something? Right. So when we look at the, you know, the the hospitals, they talk about addiction and mental health. It all comes together. Something is happening here in our in our habits and our behavior that we need to change. And what do you need to change it? And if you start looking at it that way and not looking at it as something that you've done or your loved one has done, or they're to blame, it's nothing punitive. It's just a dysfunction that's happening in a different part of the body that's above the neck. Right, right. Yeah, you know, I love that. And I I also love Dr. Christy. We've had her on the podcast here before. Yes. She's awesome. I'm going to link up that episode in the show notes for you guys so you guys can check that out if you haven't listened to that already. Um, and Caroline Leaf, she's awesome as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I also feel like it, like, you're right. Like it just comes down to some of the words that we use. And I think some of the words we've used have also perpetuated that stigma as well. And I tell people, you know, words have power. You know, this is a sticks and bones. When I break my bones and words will never hurt me Untrue, They do hurt when you, when we use words that, Oh, this person's crazy. This person's mad. Like, and then we start using it on a daily language. She's acting crazy. Now, do you want, when you are unwell, especially when it gets really bad to be called crazy. It's a, it's, it's, it's really a negative way of thinking. And I even find even in the, sometimes in, I'm going to use like the, the fate world. They said, have crazy faith. And that was ticking me off the other day. I'm like, do you understand? I know what you're trying to say, but can you relanguage yourself? Have great fate. Radical faith. Yes. <laughs> and then using the stigmatic words that are making people. And then unfortunately, when they were, Naming these illnesses like bipolar disorder, schizophrenic disorder, who wants to be called a disorder? Do we say cancer disorder? Do we say heart attack disorder? No. So we they've used words from time and beyond that have been stigmatic. Believe it or not, in 2021, in October 2021, the American psychologists, whatever they call themselves, actually issued an apology to Black people for what they have done in teaching and how they have mistreated um, <laughs> Black people in mental health. It's it's an amazing thing that they're acknowledging what they taught. Because remember, it was already stigmatic for mental health. And then we were also part of the, the, the stigmatic people that they came down on. And we were monkeys, and we were this, and we were that. And we were traumatized. And so the apology came out October 2021. So it's it's interesting to see there's some shifting, but psychologists, psychiatrists are being trained under some old colonial ways mm-hmm. and teachings and thinkings by um, some well-respected doctors. And if you really look at what they thought, people, it was very stigmatic and very destructive to individuals. And that's why no matter where we go, we still have this struggle of how we treat individuals who are dealing with their mental health and wellness because it's embedded deep down in the foundations of the system since the 1800s. Yeah. You know, I just, you're bringing up stuff for me, Nicole, (laughs) bringing up stuff for me. My mom, she was a nurse and she used to work in a nursing home. So, you know, when I was younger, sometimes she would take me to the nursing home because she didn't have childcare, right? She's a single mom, didn't have childcare. Sometimes I had to go to her with her to work. And I would see the way that she would treat these patients. You know, some of these the patients, they're senior citizens. 
you know, some of them had mental illnesses of their own, you know, some of them are just, you know, that you could tell that there's not, there's not a lot of life. Like when you look at their face, look at their eyes, it wasn't a lot of life. And I remember seeing that as a kid, but my mom just always treated them with just so much compassion, so much respect. And I was just like, that really stuck yeah. with me as a kid, for sure. So yeah. it's funny. And, and that's why, that's why you operate the way you are. That's why you are the way you are, because you saw it, you saw it emulated. And when we see how we treat others, especially individuals who are unwell, one of the things that's happening, you know, especially here in Toronto, we're seeing a lot of unwell people on the streets and on the subways. Mm -hmm. And it's the system, because if they are not uh, basically declared uh, a danger to themselves or to others, and they could be in psychosis, they can be released. So I can say, oh, I don't want to kill anybody today, or I don't want to die by suicide, and I'm not on that day uh, displaying any abnormal behavior. They release you. And then it could be five minutes later. It could be an hour later. Paranoia sets in. Mania sets in. And then they're out there. And now to get them back to hospital. And by that time, a lot of them get criminalized because they end up doing something during their unwell state. So... Mm -hmm. This conversation on mental health and wellness and the way we're not dealing with it and we want to criminalize it and we want to make it punitive and we have, it's, it's so huge consent and it's so huge consent and capacity. You know, when, when someone goes into hospital right now, if they are in psychosis or mania, paranoid, they still have the right to say, yes, my parents, my mother, my father, my husband, the doctor should or should not speak to them, even when they are paranoid. They have to give permission to the clinicians to speak to us. Wow. And then sometimes they can get released when they're unwell and you don't know their medication, their diagnosis, what to do. And when you ask them, they tell you, or oh, if they end up in crisis, call the police. Oh, no, that's a whole other, it's a whole Right? Other. So you see, when, yeah. when, and, and there's the shame of having to tell your friends and your family, oh, my loved one is this. And there's just that protection as well, because when they're doing well and they're ready and they're able to go back to work, no matter what the illness is, you might be having severe anxiety, severe depression. People start to look at you and, and judge you because you have had depression, but they don't judge you when you've had cancer or you've had a heart attack. You're not saying, oh, maybe if, if she sits at work today, maybe she's going to have a heart attack. Maybe we shouldn't bring her back to work. No, we don't do that. Right. But to say, well, maybe maybe they're going to have a breakdown. Maybe we shouldn't be saying about it. So we start whispering and we start having these thinkings because we're not educated enough. There's a lot of unlearning that needs to be done in, in, in a way that people can show up with empathy, show up with understanding, because everyone is just that little bit away because you don't know what can happen in your life to change the trajectory of your life. It could be grief. It could be an accident. It could be an illness. It could be finance. You know, COVID was a great example. Everybody was shell-shocked. Mm -hmm. Some people's identity, and you know, you and Danny are very much aware of this, and we, we know about the life coaching that happened in the pandemic. People were identifying themselves by what they did instead of by who they are. Because if you ask me who I am, I'm a mom. I'm a woman who loves to, you know, I'm passionate about seeing others do well. That's who I am. I'm a kind, gentle human being who loves to see people who are loved and, you know, give back to community. And then what I do amplifies who I am, but it's not who I am. So I'm not lost in the pandemic. The pandemic actually amplified who I was. Mm. Whereas for some, it took away who they, and they didn't know what to do. And they ended up in anxiety and depression. Oh, yeah. So in a way it helped because some people who never understood anxiety and depression started to say, oh, because where was my next meal coming from? How could I pay my rent, my mortgage, all these different things, food security. People started to understand what it felt like when your emotions and your mind took over and all those things started happening. Mm, you're so right. You're so right about that. That's a very important distinction. And I struggled with that myself for years. Um, so yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. But you also talked about like emotions. And I want to touch on that a little bit more as well, like, because caregiving, it often means managing very high levels of stress and mm -hmm. emotions. Um, so what are some effective coping mechanisms that caregivers can use to kind of deal with a lot of these challenges and emotions so that they don't experience burnout? 
I think one, you have to be honest with yourself. I would say first, even do a self-care audit. How are you really feeling? What's mm-hmm. really happening within you? Write. You don't have to write perfect. If it's a piece of paper or a journal, start writing out how you feel. Start getting it out of yourself. And find that one person that you can trust. And if it's not anyone in your circle, find a professional. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, like a psychologist. It could be a psychotherapist. It could be calling one of the helplines and just speaking to a counselor. This is what I'm going through because we need to release what's sitting inside of us because the more we keep it down, you know, we keep thinking, 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 and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. And a good cry, Dr. Chrissy always talks about a good cry. When you get that stress cry out, you know, and that walking and releasing, you got to find the things and recognize that what you're feeling is okay, but it's not okay not to be okay. That's how I put it. Because when you're not doing okay, your body is telling you something. So it means that you need to deal with it. If you recognize that these are your habits, if you were eating a particular way and your eating habits have changed, your, your, your mood swing has changed, you're not laughing as much, you're feeling sad, What you have to start paying attention. And if you are feeling really good right now, I think it's so important to know you. I wish I had paid more attention to me like when I was in a good state. So when I started feeling the angst or feeling the anxiousness, I would have paid attention to it. It took a long while to realize, oh, you're not really eating well. Like Uber, I, I think I should have had shares in Uber because Uber and I, because I wasn't cooking. And then right. you feel you feel bad calling people and say, you know, can you help me? Because you know other people are going through stuff. And people say to you, what do you need? And you feel guilty mm. asking for help. And you have to learn how to release the guilt. For me, the why in the victory and the victory mindset is saying yes to yourself. And how do you say yes to yourself? One, you have to yield to the process. For me, that means being humble being humble and being vulnerable. And it's okay to ask for help. And if that person is not, if if I call Trudy and Trudy doesn't have the capacity, maybe Danny does, or maybe Jackie does, or maybe Janet does, or maybe the YMCA does. Or maybe, you know, I got to call social services because I'm not doing well. And I, 211 might be the person I need to call. Is there help for me? There is always somebody there to help you, but it's just finding the strength and the energy to say, I need help. And if you don't, and the longer you wait, the worse it's going to get. So your emotions are speaking to you. It's telling you, you you know, when we start to put on, like, I know I, I don't just have the COVID weight. I have the stress weight because I recognize that you, you don't lose weight as much. Your metabolism is changing, you know, and you think you're eating and sometimes we're not eating. So that's the other part of the weight thing. When you're not eating, you're putting on your weight because your body's holding on to something. So we need to pay attention to what we're really feeling. And the other thing is, are you breathing? Are you taking the moments to do, you know, mindfulness for me was like, oh God, you know, I hated those things that they say, okay, yoga is not my thing. But now I recognize, okay, let me just, my, my natural process would be Nicole in the morning, just sit in the sun, even if you're sitting on the bed and let the sun come in and let the light come in. Because that's another way of getting your vitamin D. So even if you don't have the money to get it, you have the vitamin D is our best friend, I think. And I know you know this. If it's just to go sit in the sun and get some light. If you're afraid to go in a park, if you don't want to do but be by yourself, go somewhere, go walking downtown, whatever it is, get, go window shopping. You don't have to have money. Go window shopping in the sun Mm. and just dream again. Mm-hmm. And start to think about what is the vision for my wellness. When we talk about vision, we always have this vision for, oh, this is my business plan. And this is what's the vision for your mental health? What's the vision for your physical health? What's the vision for your finances? What's the vision for your relationships? Your in your family, with your spouse or your partner, with your children, whoever is in your life. What are those for your spirituality? What is that? What is spirituality to you? It's different things to different people. Mm-hmm. And where can you go as you navigate the streams of life and the people? But you have to be honest with yourself. And it's okay. But don't just stay being not okay. It's not okay when you're not feeling okay to just stay in it. Oh, Nicole, so much there to unpack. But you're right. <laughs> because 
I know because I, I used to be like that. Like I was, I know I started by telling you, yeah, I'm a bit of a workaholic. My husband can be that way as well. And I always used to just push through life, like checking things off the, you know, off the list, like one box after the next, checking things off. And I would never check in with myself to see how I was feeling. I would just keep pushing through, pushing through, pushing through. Like even after I had a miscarriage, I took one day off. And then the next day I was back at work. And I get I get emotional thinking about that now, but it was like, why did I feel like I had to do that? Why didn't I check in with myself more and understand what I was feeling, process what I was feeling? So now I've gotten to the habit of asking myself, like when I feel stressed, when I feel overwhelmed, you know, I'll ask myself, Trudy, how, how do you feel right now in this moment? And I'll start just putting some words to it just so I can start to process the emotions and the feelings that I'm feeling, right? And then the next thing I'll ask myself is, well, how do you want to feel? And I'll start listing out some of the words and even just listing out some of the words of how I want to feel. I feel like my brain, like the gears start shifting in my brain and it's almost like my brain is starting to move in that direction. And then it's like, okay, well, what's one thing that I can do right now to feel that way? The one thing. The, the one, one thing, not a list of things. Okay, I'm going to work out. Then I'm going to make the meal. Then I'm gonna, No, the one thing, the one thing. And sometimes the one thing is I'm going to call this friend that I know is always very supportive and always has the right thing to say. I'm going to go for a walk because it's a sunny day. I'm going to put on a podcast. I'm going to listen to some Les Brown or some Danny Stone here. <laughs> get my motivation, right? So I get my vitamin D when I'm walking and I'm learning and I'm empowering myself at the same time to shift myself out of that state. You know, and when we go through these periods in our life, the stressful periods, the challenging periods, the down periods, it's okay and it's important to feel those emotions and to process those emotions, but we don't want to take out real estate there. We want to try to do what we can as quickly as we can to try to change our state. And again, it doesn't have to be a big extravagant thing. It could just be a small thing. Just do what you can. And I love what you said. That's the I, intentional. You have to be intentional about what you're about to do. And you have to listen to your intuition. Like when we think of victory, you know, you can take the victory and make all the acronyms you need and just apply it. I have to be intentional about my, my health. And what is my intuition telling me? And that's what I heard you say. Yeah. And, you, and, you, and you worked with it. And then, you know, if you trust your partner or your best friend and say, listen, you know, we talk about having these accountability people. What about if you told that person in your life, if you see me moving in a particular way, I give you permission to tell me, but you have to do it with somebody who is loving, not loves you, but is loving towards you. Because some people can, can say they love you, but they're not kind in the way that they show up or in the way that they speak. There's a difference between being loving and being loved. Nice. And so when you, when you say, okay, Danny, am I, and you could say, hun, uh, Remember when you told me, oh, what's the cold word that we need to use? We need to find something that we can say, okay, you know what? I see that you're, you're, you're not feeling, it doesn't look like you're feeling too happy today. What's going on? How can I help you? We need to tune into ourselves and we need to tune into our loved ones and our, and, and our family, the extended ones, the blood ones that are there by blood, but the extended blood ones that end up being the ones that end up being in our lives more so than the others who can pick up right away something is wrong. And you talked about that self-reflection, love more, as we know, uh, share always that reflect. She has done that consistently. I have watched this woman yes. every day speak about self-reflection and have seen the transformation. Mm -hmm. And now I can believe that, you know what, if you do this, it can actually work. Yeah. Yeah. She's definitely one of my positive spaces on the internet as well. If I feel down, if I need like a pick me up, like I'll go on Instagram and I'll go right to her feet. And I'm like, okay, I'll see you'll do her doing her walks or she's singing or she's doing something I'm like, okay, I got this. I'm good now. <laughs> and she's consistent. Here we go again. I tell you the victory. My, it's always in me like consistency. That's one of the things I lacked consistency in my care. Mm, yeah. What does caring for you look like? If you were to care for yourself, what does that what does that look like? Mm. And those are the things that make me pause. Yeah. I you know, I love that. I and I have to say, love more. She was on the podcast as well. I'll link that up in the show notes for you. But going back, <laughs> to, going back to that, Nicole, yeah, you're right. Because I am so like I'm so intentional about my morning routine. My morning routine now is what it is. Can't get in there unless you're like VIP. It's like that is the time for me. Love it. The way that I look at it is like when you're going throughout the day, things and people are constantly taking away from you, taking away from you. Mm -hmm. That's 
morning routine, that time in the morning, that is your intentional time to give to yourself before everyone starts taking from you. So if you're not filling it, if you're not giving yourself anything, then people are just constantly taking from you and you feel drained and depleted by the end of the day or you might three o'clock. So it's so important to have a morning routine and Again, like people listening to this are probably like, I don't have time. Like I got to pack my kids lunches. I got to get them out the door. I got to take them here. I got to take them there. But in order for you to be that amazing mom, to be that caregiver, to be that wife, it is so important to give that time to yourself. It could just be five minutes. Like here's an example. Five minutes earlier. Get five five minutes. Minutes earlier. Yep. There's an amazing poet I love. Her name is Morgan Harper Nichols. I don't know if you've heard of her before. No, you're, you're going to love her. Morgan Harper Nichols. I would love to get her on the podcast. Um, but anyway, she has this newsletter and every single day at one o'clock in the morning, she sends her newsletter out and it's just filled with so much empowering, encouraging words of like wisdom and insight. So when I wake up in the morning, that is the first thing that I read in the morning is Morgan Harper. Wow. And the messages, you'll love them. They're just so beautiful, filled with so much like love and light and just awesome. And it takes me like two minutes to read that. And then again, like that sets my intention for that day. So again, it's just so important for us to set that intention at the beginning of the day, to be intentional about how we start our day before everybody and everything else takes away from you. And it's so true. You know, that I I remember both you and Danny saying non-negotiable. It's not negotiable. It's not, this is, this is, this is a contract breaker. You know, don't let anyone steal your peace. And we're guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. And knowing what takes your peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's that's a whole other time. And who and who takes your peace? And who? Yeah. Who takes your? Sometimes it's your relatives. Just saying. Oh, yes. <laughs> like my creamy friends. I'm going to drink water and mind my business right now. <laughs> Cheers to that. Yep. <laughs> okay, Nicole. So I could talk to you all day, but again, I want to be sensitive of your time here as we you know get to the top of the hour. And I have a question and it's something that I ask all of my guests and that is, what is your favorite way to take care of your mind and your body? So my mind, literally it's prayer and it's, it's getting into the word, whether I'm listening to a devotional, whether I have a few key people that I love listening to. I love Sarah Jakes Roberts right now. I always love my TD Jakes. Um, my, there's a morning devotion that I do, you know, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. It used to be, uh, every day, he's having the every day, Dan Thomas, and he just speaks such life and he's a life coach as well as a pastor. So he's got the best of both worlds. And then listening to beautiful worship music that is empowering, not the sad, sappy thing. So ones that just speak life, speak joy, you know, and then sometimes I just sit and play a silly game on my phone and I design I designed some homes in one of those design games and my brain just stops thinking and I just go right out of there. And I love that quiet at night or early in the morning. I love listening to the birds, especially in the springtime. And I miss that about being in the Caribbean, but in the springtime, I just know, oh, it's, oh, it's, it's 430, is it? Oh, you're starting to sing. Okay. It's, it's sing a long time and just listening to the quiet of the day. And I love water. I love sitting by the water. I could sit by the water for hours. And I'm fortunate enough that I faced the bluffs and, you know, I realized truly that I took it for granted for a long time, that I was right by the water. And, but now I'm so much more conscious of being by the water as much as I love it. And, and, and going out and walking more and just enjoying time more and in and enjoying being with myself more you know I'm, I'm as I said I'm an introvert so uh it's, it's kind of like I'm okay being with myself mm-hmm. um, but I'm okay laughing I love to laugh I love to have you know with good people and, and really hear from good people and just see people thriving there's just the little things you know it's what is it India Irie says the little things and the joy it brings it's the oh, little things okay. I love that song you know I can hear it singing in my, yeah, I can't say it like her, but yeah, just like grooving as I hear it in my head. It's the little things and the joy it brings. Yeah. And my son brings me joy. When I hear, when I hear my son um, doing his music in his room or sometimes I hear him singing and I know he's doing well, that brings me like, I'm, I'm just like, those little things now, I don't take for granted. When I hear him laugh, when I hear him laugh, it's like, 
100. It's like, that just makes my whole day because I know when it when he's not doing well and he doesn't laugh, how he's feeling. And I recognize that it's a little thing with our with those that we love, whether they're our parents, our siblings, our partners, our children, it doesn't matter who it is. When we have that one person in our lives that we love and we see them not doing well, and then they just say, they, all of a sudden they're eating or all of a sudden, it's just that one thing that you may take for granted. They're breathing, they're speaking. Those are the things that that bring me joy. Oh, so well said. You know, yeah, the little things are the big things. Truly. So Nicole, if someone wants to learn more about you, like where can they find you? <laughs> but right now you can find me on, let's start Instagram, Twitter, face Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. It's Victory Speaks 7. So speaks with an S. And the videos are there on, on YouTube. And I post stuff on Instagram and on Twitter. And then the podcast, the audio podcast with the inspirational messages can be on any, you know, Spotify or um, Apple Podcasts or anywhere you can find a podcast. Um, and now, you know, I will tell you, I took a pause last year and I'm now there's power in the pause. That's one of the things I recognize. I had to pause because so much things were happening. And so now it's going back into those spaces and filling them up with the lessons that I've learned in the pause. Mm. Oh, I love that. I'm going to take a pause and get my bike out, wash her down and go to the lake and go by the lake. <laughs> <laughs> I'll cheer you on because I know I'm not writing. I'll come cheer you on. I'll walk up. <laughs> and I'll make sure to place all of those links for Nicole in the show notes. I think we're going to have a paragraph full of show notes. It sounds like for this episode, but lots of juicy information. Nicole, thank you so much for stopping by the Mind Your Body Show, sharing your wisdom, your insight, your your just your love, your positivity, just, I just, I don't know. I really admire you as well. You started talking about how you admire me. I, I really admire you like more than, you know, I see you out there doing your thing. You know, you're breaking barriers, you're breaking standards. Like you're just, yeah, I just, I mean, your bio speaks for itself. <laughs> so thanks so much for stopping by the mind your body show. And I hope that you guys learned some tips and tricks on how to enhance your mental health, um, how to support the caregivers in your life how you can support yourself if you are a caregiver and just lots of tips on how to manage your stress and how to avoid burnout. So Nicole, thanks again for stopping by the show. It was my honor and my pleasure to have you here. It was supercalifragilisticexpialidocious to be here with you. <laughs> Love that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mind Your Body Show. I hope that you learned something new to help you transform your life and your body. For more after the show, make sure to head over to TrudyEstone.com. That's where you'll find all of the show notes. Also, make sure to head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a rating to let us know what you thought about the episode. And remember, get your mind right and your body will follow. Thanks for tuning in.